Thanks for joining us. Coming up, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy meets with the president of Taiwan, despite pressure from the Chinese regime. Former President Trump responds to the charges against him, calling the case election interference. A new AI model developed by Facebook parent Meta, it can outline objects within an image. What's the significance? Artificial intelligence on the rise, so where are the AI jobs? We take a look. The biggest product liability settlement in history. It's being proposed by Johnson & Johnson over allegations its baby powder causes cancer. How much is it going to pay? That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Don Mock here. On Wall Street, stocks ended mixed today. The Dow rose 80 points or 0.2%. S&P fell 10 points or a quarter percent. And the Nasdaq lost 129 points or 1.1%. Defying threats from China, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy meets with President Tsai Ing-wen of Taiwan in California. As Speaker, McCarthy is the third highest ranking U.S. official following the president and vice president. A bipartisan group of lawmakers also attending the event. China lashing out, saying the visit will only, quote, strengthen the Chinese people's strong will to share a common enemy. The U.S. responding, Secretary of State Antony Blinken saying the visit is nothing new and saying China should not take it as an excuse to ratchet up tensions. They're private, they're unofficial, but they've been going on for years and uh, President Tsai and uh, her predecessors uh, have have done the same thing. Beijing should not use the transits as an excuse to take any actions to ratchet up tensions, uh, to um, further push at changing the status quo. China claims democratically governed Taiwan as its own territory. Beijing has warned of unspecified retaliation if the meeting goes ahead. China staged war games around Taiwan last August following the visit to Taipei of then-House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. The historical indictment against former President Trump has been unsealed. Trump was charged with 34 counts of falsifying business records in the first degree. Prosecutors claim he disguised a hush money payment as a legal uh, legal expense and to the benefit of his 2016 presidential campaign. He has pleaded not guilty to all charges. We talked to Epoch Times reporter Janice Heisel, who's been covering the story. She said... Legal experts told her the case against Trump is weak. Overall, we're hearing that even from people who aren't necessarily fans of Donald Trump, that this case seems kind of weak on its face. The biggest concern that they shared with me is that the allegations are that Trump committed business records falsification in furtherance of another crime. But the problem is that Other crime is not listed anywhere in the documents. It's considered a legal flaw in the document. And also in the legal theory behind these charges is what I'm being told. Falsifying business records in the first degree, the charge was repeated 34 times, alleging that Trump repeatedly wrote checks and created inaccurate business records between February and December of 2017. Heisel says experts she talked to believe the prosecutor is, quote, overcharging a defendant. One of the experts told me that this would be like 
taking a bank robbery allegation and then adding on, oh, the guy was double parked outside the bank and uh, ran a red light on the way there and was carrying a gun when he shouldn't have been, just adding, adding, adding charges for something that most people would consider to be a single offense. In response to the charges, Trump addressed supporters from his Florida home Mar-a-Lago last night. He says, election interference is the motive here for the criminal charges. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more on Trump's remarks. Trump spoke to an invite-only crowd of about 500 guests at his Mar-a-Lago ballroom in Palm Beach Tuesday night. This fake case was brought only to interfere with the upcoming 2024 election, and it should be dropped immediately. The former president pleaded not guilty on all 34 counts he was charged with. Every single pundit and legal analyst said, there is no case, there's no case. They kept saying, there's no case. The front runner for the 2024 GOP presidential nomination warned the U.S. is currently a failing nation and that it sunk to the level of the old Soviet Union. We are a nation in decline. And now these radical left lunatics want to interfere with our elections by using law enforcement. A trial date has not yet been set. It's expected to take place in 2024. Prosecutors asked for it to take place in January, and Trump's attorneys requested April. The next court date is December 4th. That's two months before Republicans begin their nominating process. A conviction would not prevent Trump from running for or winning the presidency in 2024. Trump's lawyers suggested they will be filing motions to dismiss based on prosecutorial misconduct and selective prosecution. Trump ended his speech by saying despite a dark cloud hanging over the country, he has no doubt America will be made great again. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Meanwhile, Stormy Daniels lost her defamation suit against Trump. Daniels was ordered to pay Trump's attorneys more than $120,000 in legal fees. That's on top of more than $500,000 in court-ordered payments to Trump's attorneys she's already been required to pay. A judge dismissed her defamation lawsuit in 2018. She later lost an appeal and was ordered to pay Trump's legal fees for fighting both. The civil litigation is, on, is officially unrelated to Trump's case in New York. Trump denies ever having an affair with her. Facebook parent company Meta released a new artificial intelligence model today. It's called the Segment Anything Model, or SAM for short. It can pick out objects and outline them in images and videos. It can also pick out items outside of its training. Objects can be selected by clicking on them or writing a text prompt. In one demonstration, writing the word cat prompted the tool to draw boxes around each of several cats in a video. Chief Executive Mark Zuckerberg has said that incorporating generative AI is a priority for the company this year. The SAM model is now available for download under a non-commercial license. Joining me now is Jake Maymar, VP of Innovation, the Glimpse Group. Now, this new meta AI model, it can identify objects uh, in an image. What is the significance here? Well, the, the biggest value is you can search any image, uh, any video, uh, any sort of spatial place. Um, and the reason why that's valuable is just imagine, you know, you're, you're just like looking at an image and of course you can see cats and you're like, okay, well, that, how is that valuable? Because uh, uh, I do um, XR, I do uh, VR and AR uh, enterprise solutions. Um, the reason why this is so valuable to me is 
if I have a headset and I'm looking around, it will automatically know what those objects are. So it will know that's a phone. It will know that's a computer. It will know that's a chair. And because it knows that, there's all these sort of rules that will automatically be associated with it. Um, so if it's a donut, I know I can eat it. Uh, if it's a phone, it will ha actually have data on it. And if it's my phone, it will actually have my data on it. So there's all these ways that it's going to basically create a, a very frictionless experience where you're going to be um, interacting with the virtual world in a very intuitive way. I see. I wonder if this is just the beginning. I, I wonder if this will develop into something even further. Maybe you can comment on that. Oh, absolutely. I, I think this is just the beginning. I think that um, this is the early building blocks of where this language model is going to go. Um, right now, they're talking about images and video, but really, I think that the, the, the real use case is, is spatial. And if you can identify objects in space, uh, both, both with AR, so in physical space, and then also in virtual space, you can assign value to those objects. Um, but it's, it, that's the starting point, but then you can also use like blockchain to actually make those objects have a specific value and have a specific, um, uh, sort of security associated with them. Uh, so for instance, if I were to pick up my phone, um, it would automatically know this is my phone. This is specifically my phone. And I would be able to access all the information on my phone without having to have passwords or any sort of identification. It just automatically knows this is my phone and I can immediately access the information on it. Now, is there any concern that comes with this? As you know, with all new technology, it always has some worry associated with it. Oh, absolutely. With, with all new technologies, um, yeah, being able to search an image or a video or a special uh, location, yeah, that, that definitely uh, uh, is a cause for worry in some ways because, well, now that's information that we didn't have before. It's, it's kind of one of those things, it's like privacy. You know, privacy is definitely a concern as this right now it can identify cats, but what if it's a specific cat? Um, it can identify people, but I don't believe it can identify specific people. Well, when it can, then that's a privacy con concern. I see. And, and can this be combined with other AI models, AI programs like ChatGPT or Midjourney, for example? Can all these things work uh, in, in tandem? Absolutely. I mean, that's what's so amazing is these models, you can mix and match. And kind of the whole era that we're going to is sort of, uh, I don't know, uh, being able to mix and match different models to get better results. Um, you'll know which models do what particularly well, um, and you'll be able to sort of queue up different models and get the results you want. Um, so yeah, it's it's like Legos. You'll be able to basically uh, build the um, uh, configuration that's going to get to the best result uh, the fastest. Yeah, Jake, it's a very exciting time we're in right now. A lot of innovation is happening. But thank you for coming on the show today for this discussion. It was a pleasure talking to you. Oh, yes. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Billions of dollars were poured into artificial intelligence technology in 2022. Now the University of Stanford has released a report showing where the most jobs in AI are. NTD's Charles Marshall has more. 
Over 120,000 tech workers are laid off this year. A lot of them are probably looking to get back to work in an artificial intelligence job since that industry is on the rise based on the recent hype and popularity. Well, this is where those jobs are, according to Stanford University's 2023 State of AI report. Based on 2022 data, the top three fields with the highest percentage of AI job postings were information, professional scientific and technical services, and finance and insurance. I spoke with HR professional Ira Wolf for his take on available jobs in the AI industry. Industries such as finance and banking, uh, a lot of the tech people are moving over to those roles out, outside of the tech companies per se, but into to banking and insurance. As you might expect, the information sector dominated, but the sectors using AI are quite diverse. Other fields with top percentages included manufacturing, agriculture, forestry, fishing, and hunting. And some surprising ones, uh, agriculture, fishing, uh, and hunting, uh, about 1.6% of jobs. Education was 1.5%, management. Looking at location, uh, California posted the most AI-related jobs with over 140,000, followed by Texas and New York. So a, a lot of the people from tech, although they may be leaving the, you know, again, the Apples, Googles, uh, Metas of the world, uh, certainly have a lot of other, other opportunities that are out there. Opportunities that will hopefully increase as AI technology continues to develop. Sean Marshall, NTD News. In the future, the world may be filled with hostile AI systems. This is according to a paper by the Center for AI Safety. Its director, Dan Hendricks, pictured here, says, even if some developers build altruistic AIs, there will still be those who built less altruistic AIs. Hendricks says the less altruistic ones will outcompete the altruistic ones. Now, think about this. In the business world, a lot of corporations that put profit above everything else could use AI wrongfully. They could have AI systems help make profit in ways that may or may not be legal. Hendricks believes less moral AI systems will perform better and may therefore in the future fill the world. Worse yet, he believes they could even make CEO-level decisions without any oversight. Dan Hendricks has a PhD in AI from UC Berkeley. He developed a key part of the deep learning model, and he's been researching AI for the past seven years. So we asked Hendricks why he thinks this is. He told us that the current AI race is reckless. The current AI arms race isn't prioritizing safety. They're largely prioritizing just making the most powerful products as possible and trying to position themselves to automate as many jobs as possible. Safety is a secondary consideration. So without the public raising their voice about these sorts of concerns, uh, I find it or I find it so unlikely that they're going to stop by their own devices. Hendricks says companies are locked in a survival of the fittest environment. The ones who play it safe when it comes to AI will lose the race. And conversely, the most reckless will win. We spoke to technologist and former Tesla employee Alexa Eden. She says how we program AI matters as well. We are the ones training the AI. So if we are not taking a hard look at who we are as people in our society and how we are interacting in the markets, then we won't be able to train AI to be any better than ourselves. 
Though not everyone agrees with Dan Hendricks' paper, we spoke to AI expert Armin Kurlopian, who has a PhD in biophysics with a strong focus in artificial intelligence. Kurlopian says he rejects the premise that non-altruistic AI systems will by definition perform better. Law enforcement could also use AI systems. Competitors in the industry subset could use uh, different AI-associated capabilities. So there indeed could be a short-term gain, but there's actual overall risk to the company housing the AI or even the AI itself. Kurlopian also believes that government regulations and public opinion, for example, will reduce harm that might come with less altruistic AI. But Dan Hendricks argues that regulation is not good enough, in large part because they take a long time to set up. Regulators tend to address the issue after there's a catastrophe. So there's a saying in aviation, which is that aviation regulations are written in blood. So if we rely on a, or if we will only address safety after there's a catastrophe, then that might be waiting until it's too late or until some very serious damage is done. So what's the solution? One is giving AI to good actors like the public, the government, and maybe law enforcement. This could rein in AI that are used maliciously. We spoke to the head of AI strategic development at Adobe, Chris Duffy. Duffy generally agrees. There is power in collective intelligence, meaning not only human plus machine, but multiple AI systems. And so when you have different systems, they counterbalance each other. And I would offer that up uh, as additional perspective to the paper. Hendricks ends his paper by calling on countries around the world to regulate AI development. He urges them to recognize that AI could be a catastrophic threat to humanity. Taking a break now, but if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, please email us at business at ntd.com. Still to come, Johnson & Johnson proposing the biggest product liability settlement in history. We'll tell you how much it's offering to pay. And changes at FedEx, it's combining two of its units to save money and better compete. That and more coming up on NTD Business. Potentially the largest product liability settlement in history. Johnson Johnson is proposing to pay nearly $9 billion to settle tens of thousands of lawsuits. They allege that the company's baby powder causes cancer. Johnson Johnson says this proposed settlement is not an admission of wrongdoing. It says the powder is safe. The company simply wants to resolve all of the claims. It's been dealing with these powder-related lawsuits for around two decades. Johnson's baby powder has been on the market for over a century, but the company ended all U.S. sales in 2020. It claimed that misinformation had destroyed demand. And just last year, it announced it was ending all sales globally. And of course, all this was happening as it was being sued. We spoke to attorney Dante Weston. He spent over 15 years representing thousands of clients against Big Pharma. He notes that proposing to pay nearly $9 billion is a lot for a settlement. 
I would take it as an admission of guilt and responsibility. It's just common sense. I mean, uh, a company agreeing to pay $9 billion, even over 25 years, and based on their global revenue, it's still a lot of money, right? So clearly they had a problem with these products, and that's why the products uh, were pulled off the market. And that's why the proof connecting the ovarian cancer to the baby powder is, is so strong. And we get a second opinion from attorney Harry Nelson. He's the founder of Nelson Hardiman. It's a law firm that specializes in healthcare. He doesn't see the proposed settlement as an admission of guilt. I read it as a product that um, was, you know, widely, widely used by millions of people that has a question mark around it. I don't think it's an admission of guilt so much as an acknowledgement of when questions are inconclusive, um, it's very likely that judges and juries are going to hold the pharmaceutical responsible for, uh, for a potential risk that can't be easily explained. Nelson believes J&J wants to get some finality to solve all the tens of thousands of lawsuits and completely exit the product. Otherwise, dealing with all the suits could take a lot of effort and end up being even more expensive. We talked to attorney Tamara Holder. She's been practicing for nearly 20 years with a focus on institutional abuse. She likens the suits to an ever-expanding snowball. You have multiple lawsuits around the country, if not the world. You have different courts making different decisions. You have appeals. You have lawyers. You have different uh, different forms of damages, whether it's damages of uh, you have people, families of the deceased, or you have people with long-term cancer or asthma. They're just it's it's just a never-ending snowball. But Holder does believe the lawsuits are credible because there's so many of them. Johnson Johnson claims it's won the majority of the lawsuits. The company says its settlement proposal compensates claimants in a timely manner, and it lets the company focus on its business. We reached out to Johnson & Johnson. Moving on, FedEx is changing the way it does business. The company today said it will combine its express and ground delivery units into a single entity. It's going to abandon, abandon a structure that has been in place for roughly 20 years. Weakening demand for shipping amid a slowing economy has intensified pressure on FedEx. It's looking to slim its bloated infrastructure so that it can better compete with rivals UPS and Amazon. UPS has outperformed FedEx despite having a more expensive union labor force. The new streamlining effort is expected to start in June of 2024. But will this actually bring down the costs? We'll have to wait and see. Still to come, two new electric vehicles at the New York International Auto Show. A pickup truck and an SUV. We have the details. That and more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. An electric Ram pickup truck and Kia SUV made their debut at the New York International Auto Show today. The Ram 1500 Rev will come with a choice of two different battery tiers. The standard battery provides a range of 350 miles on a single charge. A larger option offers 500 miles. The truck isn't due in showrooms until the fourth quarter of 2024. 
And Kia's new EV9 comes with two powertrain options, a standard battery and a rear-wheel drive. A larger battery gives the vehicle 300 miles of range per charge. The EV9 will hit U.S. showrooms later this year. John Travolta's iconic suit from Saturday Night Fever is up for auction. Fans of the classic 70s film have the chance to grab the piece of pop culture history later this month. In the 1977 dance drama, Travolta played a young Italian-American from Brooklyn who escapes the realities of his life by dominating the dance floor at the local disco. The hit movie helped to popularize disco music around the world. Travolta received a Best Actor Oscar nomination for his role. The white three-piece suit from the movie is expected to fetch up to $200,000. It'll be part of the Hollywood Classic Contemporary Sale organized by Julian's Auctions and Turner Classic Movies in California between April 22nd and April 23rd. And that's all today from the NTD business team and myself, Don Ma. You can follow me on Twitter if you're there. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at ntd.com. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you tomorrow.